pop-up box that says recording in progress. <laughs> All right. It's official. This is a podcast now. Yeah, two friends doing a podcast. My name is Al. I use he, they pronouns. I also will use bitches as a pronoun. I am trans, masculine, and non-binary, also pansexual, and just generally all the kinds of queer. I have a BA in sociology and most of a master's degree in counseling with an emphasis in higher ed. That's fun. How long you been a queer? <laughs> well, forever. I've always <laughs> been a queer. I've been out as something other than straight since I was maybe 12. I am now 28 almost. We're rounding up at this point. I have had many a year of practice to, in educating and discussing queer issues with lots and lots of people. I've been out as trans for, oh gosh, seven years now? 2014? Holy shit. <laughs> Safe to say there will be minimal swearing in these podcasts. So if that offends, tough tits. Yeah, it's been a long time. And I came out as bisexual almost a year ago. A tiny baby gay. Yeah, I'm a baby gay. So I'm still learning everything. Um, but I've been an ally for probably close to six years now, six or seven, and probably well before that without knowing what word it was. And I have just graduated with my master's in counseling specifically uh, with marriage and family therapy and it was a very culturally centered woo. So, yay so i thought <laughs> i would bring something fun for us to talk about since today is our intro and this is a model we use to talk about culture and where we stand with our power so do you, you want to go back and forth on this al sure so um you can explain what the addressing model and framework is and we can kind of back and forth yeah so the addressing model is how culture works in general society so there's lots of different elements that we are diverse so a lot of them can be based on age disability including developmentally or required later in life, spirituality, and if anyone has any indigenous heritage and also their national origin. So we're from America, so we're going to be speaking within the context of American culture generally. Specifically uh, the United States. Within that realm, or if we have less power or are marginalized is the word we use. Um, we're quite comfortable using these words. <laughs> So I guess I'll go first. So I am 25 years old, so I qualify as an adult, I guess. So I, in the realm of age, I have more power than, say, children, adults, and elders because of ageism. That's typically how that works. Okay. Um, I'm 28, almost. We round up in this household. Um, <laughs> and I do have supposedly power over children and elders. I don't know. I still think kids would just look at me and tell me to F off and walk away. You know, it's a uh, But we're also both millennials. Well, you're kind of on that Gen Z. Yes. The the border between them. Uh, I typically tend to fit in with millennials a little bit better because I'm some of the older Gen Z, but I don't typically know where I fall with that. <laughs> I don't know. I definitely being on the younger end of the millennial spectrum have some of those lovely Gen Z activists and let's 
fix this world vibes, but uh, safe to say Gen Z got them from us. Yeah, so I'm going to move us down. So developmental disabilities are ones that we were born with. I was not born with any um, developmental disabilities. So I hold power there. I would say I do have some um, in the realm of mental health disabilities that I'm not yet going to go into. So I do lose a little bit of privilege on that one. With disability acquired later in life, um, sometimes there's lots of theories that I'm not going to get into at this moment because there will be one late, far later down the line to talk about that. But I have acquired a also a mental health disability. So that is where I lose my power within the realm of disability. So do we consider, I suppose it's both. So developmental disabilities and acquired ones could both be mental health because I have some genetic mental health disabilities I have no control over and didn't acquire their innate, but also some that are acquired. Yeah. So with that, you would technically lose power in both. Woo! I won the genetic lottery. <laughs> so the next one we have on our cool little list here is um, religion and spiritual orientation. Religion has always been complicated for me. So at one point I held power in this realm by being a Christian, um, but I have been much more leaning towards my pagan roots as of late. So now I hold less power. I was raised in a lovely white Christian household, you know, the kind of Christians who go to church for the big four holidays and nothing else, and have never actually been Christian myself. I probably say I'm more on the atheist rather than agnostic side of things too, because I'm kind of definitive on that one. But, you know, science does leave room for a God in some so I'm, I don't hold that, but I do have the, the privilege of being a white person to counteract it. So it's just assumed. And that's a great point that you bring up because actually our next, next little box is ethnicity and race. I am also white and have spent, a, even though not qualifying here, a considerable amount of time learning different languages. And that has always been present for me, but still presenting as white is where we gain our power from. And that's probably the most amount of power that we hold is based on our race. Yeah, if you pull up a checklist of things that are considered a privilege for me, white is pretty much the only one on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so because we don't present with basically any color. Right. We have. Um, so the next one is socioeconomic status, like whether or not you're in the middle class, having access to higher education, home ownership, income, rural versus urban versus suburban. Interesting, though, I'd probably say suburban is the most powerful of all of the three. I you know, think. yeah, it does. It has a connotation of just like, oh, you were able to move out of the city and own a home well, type of thing. Yeah. It, it relates to the wealth privilege. Like for, for example, in my family, we grew up incredibly impoverished. I have some very dark memories having to deal with poverty. And I grew up as a young adult also living in poverty and I still kind of am, but I did have access to higher education because I am of the millennial age where it was go to a four-year school and get a four-year degree, even if it's not going to lead directly to a job or else. But also I came of age just in the aftermath of the, like my high school years were during the economic depression that everybody calls the great recession. But I'm here to tell you, if you studied it properly, it's a depression. Oh, you're um, talking about 2008, right? Yeah, 2008 to 2010. I, I was in high school 
at the beginning of that. And I graduated at the end of it in 2012 and went into college from there on. So I did have access to higher ed, but I also had $100,000 in student loan debt. And I come from an incredibly rural place in a low income family. It evens itself out to be kind of status neutral. Yeah, just thinking about that, like I was thinking when I was young, I had to do that with my mom when she lost her job. So there was a time when I wasn't working, but everything I saved would went, went to bills, but we never had any sort of poverty. We didn't have anything like that. And thinking about myself now, I have always lived in a suburb kind of area. So even now, that is another area where I hold privilege. I don't own where I live, but I still am living in a pretty privileged area. That you are. <laughs> the next one will be really fun because uh, we match this category, which is pretty exciting. The next one is sexual orientation. <laughs> um, all the gay so <laughs> typically heterosexuals hold the most power within this realm um, and we are neither <laughs> you know but there's a special area that I have with this and like being bisexual but if you were to see me on the streets I still look like I could be heterosexual because my partner is um a cisgender male so as much as I don't have power, I also do have power because of how it looks to other people. You having that passing privilege is kind of nice sometimes, and then also kind of not nice. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, it's great. Like I don't get marginalized as often as other people do, but then I'm also like, I'm queer too, hello. And it's a, it's a thing to think about because even within the queer community itself, when you, you've got your alphabet soup of LGBTQIA, S2, P, all of those fun things that will eventually go over, there's a hierarchy within it. Gays, particularly gay men, sit at the top of that ladder. Then lesbians, arguably, aren't the next highest. And then it gets really murky because then there's the issues with bi and pan erasure or multi-sexuality erasure, as I'd prefer to hear it, and trans erasure because... Unfortunately, this, the uh, cis homo people tend to forget we're a part of that community too. Very true. That will definitely be a topic we will brush upon another time. Frequently. <laughs> many, Frequently. Many times. <laughs> Neither of us are indigenous individuals. Um, I did have a long-term relationship with someone who was indigenous, and I have a lot of insight into that, but I myself am not indigenous. And I'm very protective of indigenous people because of that insight. Yeah, so we have a huge respect for the indigenous heritage. We're both US citizens, US born people for national origin in this list. Um, neither of us are immigrants. We obviously both have family who were immigrants because we're not indigenous, but are also white people in America. So yeah, and that would have point, happened generations and generations ago, so. Um, it's just even so far back for us to be able to know. I mean, my, my mother did genealogy for like 10 years. I do actually know the whole history going as far back as possible. That's not a good thing. It's very stereotypical white people shit. But um, like I did one of those lovely 23andMe things and I am 100% white European. <laughs> and then of course, gender. Yeah, <laughs> very obvious one. Yeah, I'm a female and I, have, I am cisgender. So male counterparts obviously still hold a large amount of power. So I'm 
minoritized in that sense, but within the realm, I still hold more power within the less power, if that makes sense. In the context of American society, in, in specifically United States American culture, you hold more power compared to me specifically in terms of gender. If we were talking about other cultures like indigenous people and two-spirited people, they hold all of the power because those are those folks are held in high regard for having two spirits in one body. Um, obviously I'm transgender and I'm for context, I'm AFAB or assigned female at birth, but I'm, I'm not a woman. So I sit in that holding less power, particularly these days. Yeah. And what's really interesting about your case is just like you moved from a minoritized position to a more minoritized position. You know, normally people say you take a lateral step. Well, I, I think I fell in a hole. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. So that's the addressing model for anyone who was following along. A lot of those things spelled out the headings for them, spelled out the word addressing. Mainly. Yeah, Dr. Hayes was brilliant in just creating this model. So this is how we normally talk about like clients or when we're trying to connect with other people. But it, sometimes it's really good to see in ourselves too. It's also just a good way to kind of acknowledge those different power struggles. And in our case, we share a lot of things in common and have very few that kind of conflict. Our podcast, the, the QTB podcast is what I'm going to refer to it as, even though it's Queers, Tears, and Books, um, is available on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we do have a Gmail of the QTB podcast at gmail.com. You can email us questions or thoughts. Hate mail will promptly be deleted. And we're also going to be on TikTok content coming soon to all of the locations. Speaking of content, why'd we start this podcast, Lizzie? Well, I think we just had a crazy idea one day, didn't we? <laughs> it started with like a simple is... question of just like, there's so many topics that exist that aren't presented in a like clear way for cis people to understand, but also for like new queer people to understand and also like I don't know the word for you to use for this but like the older older queers who have been around longer the to learn about like the new words like us discovering new flags were being made we were like when when did we get so out of the loop that we didn't know about the new flags um so, so it was so, a crazy idea that started with a good intention we're just trying to get our feet into the discourse in the queer community and we have conversations like this all the time and we're going to have them again as we talk about different identities and talk about terms and talk about how, how the queer community itself discusses itself and its own internal discourses. I can't wait for the day when we talk about the quote unquote bi umbrella, which should actually be called the multi-sexualities umbrella, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I have beef with it. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to talk about a wide variety of topics, you know, um, both of us having some amount of training in mental health that will always be intersected into a lot of conversations. A lot about art history, which has been documented, but also erased in some very complex ways. And rewritten. Um, yeah, rewritten and it's very layered. So getting to talk about that will be great too, as a verbal way to discuss our history. After this week's introductory episode, where we're not really gonna do too much in the way of delving into any specific topic, other than ourselves. How cute. Next week, we're, we are going to dive right into the lexicon of the queer community and kind of go over some of those terms that especially people might hear and just think, what, another weird term? Stuff just keeps changing and I can't keep up. We're going to go over the dictionary of it a little bit, the lexicon, 
of the queer community, at least from our perspective. I know we both use terms a little bit differently sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely taught you a lot of terms since I have, <laughs> I have experience in teaching about the queer community. And then next, not next week, but the week after we are going to do a fairly brief history of the queer community in the U.S. overall. And at um, other points, we'll go into the international stuff too. Yeah. And, uh, while you might have taught me words, I got to show you a really great book that um, is a verbal representation of what is documented queer history that has been rewritten and us reflecting and going through that. It'll be great for other people to hear about too. It's going to be so much fun to talk about queer uh, graphic history. It's literally the queer comic book, yeah. the history, queer history in a comic book. And yeah, it's phenomenal. Dr. Barker and uh, Dr. Sheldon, great with this look forward to talking about those. We're going to do lots of different topics. Each month is going to have a theme. So for our first podcast month, the theme is broadly love and equality, but it's really kind of just pride, queer stuff. Mm -hmm. So we're going to lay down some of the basics. And when, you know, when we were planning this and trying to work around it, we couldn't start without talking about our history and our words, because we do <laughs> We do use words differently sometimes because we fit in different boxes and umbrellas. And that's okay. That's, that's how language works. Having studied, you know, sociology, very basically the study of society, how words give, how we give words meaning is different for every person and every group of people. And that's why it's important for people to compare words sometimes. Like I mentioned, every month is going to have a different theme. This month being China Generally Pride. Next month, we're going to talk about sex and the human body. Get ready for a wild ride. Me teaching sex ed is something I'm very excited about. <laughs> you were like, please, let's do it. It'll be great. It's required learning. August, we're going to talk about laws, the legal system in the community. September, we're going to talk about mental health awareness and suicide prevention. Most of that month is going to come with some trigger warnings because there are some very intense topics to talk about and they're really important to talk about. October, we're just kind of going to go with the queerness, all of it. So we'll talk about things like National Coming Out Day, which happens in October, more on passing privilege and um, just um, internalized homophobia, transphobia, and other biases that we can feel inside of ourselves being queer. November, we're going to go ahead and go over media representation, whether it's news, movies, television, not so much books. We'll do that later. And then we're going to close out the year with topics of physical health in July, starting with AIDS in the early part of the month and talking about how that 40-year pandemic has been largely ignored and politicized. I'm talking about both physical and mental disability in the realm of the queer community and how we need to improve how we care for both of those. And then um, talking um, about just medical health, doctors, and seeking the care you need in general to close out the year. Yeah, it'll be a full-packed year full of varying topics and varying amounts of goods and bads and we'll be sure to put some positive spins at the end with some resources if those are some things that people are struggling with and we can always have those up on screen too for anyone watching on youtube we will be able to put links and things throughout wherever we post our podcast so that you have access to resources as needed and as we find them we'll continue to add to them speaking of l when are we going to be posting these our podcast is going to come out every Friday at three o'clock Central Standard Time. Since we're in the U.S., we'll probably post on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter when that happens, um, too. And if questions come up during it, obviously using the comment section, YouTube, and then also our email and 
all of our socials are attached there too. Once again, we are the QTB, as in Queers, Tears, and Books podcast on all of the socials, and it's our email address at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening this week to the QTB podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Hit us up for any questions on all of the socials or in the email. Anything else you want to add, Lizzie? No, just looking forward to next week.